Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 289 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm the most dangerous podcast host. With me is the greatest guy on earth, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I, I'm, I am well, and I, I just I had an epiphany. Let's hear it. This moment as you were introing the show. You always call us the world's most dangerous podcast, right? I do say that, yes. What if we could be the word world's most ponderous danger cast? You just blew my mind. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to use one of those uh, gif, gifs of uh, Kramer, you know, blowing, blowing his mind. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we can be the most dangerous oh. podcast. Sometimes it can be the most ponderous danger cast. Well, we have a few things to ponder uh, this time, so let's try that. We'll try it your way this week. All right. I guess everyone knows what the uh, topic that we're going to hit you with right off the top of the program is. It's Marty Brenneman, Cincinnati Reds announcer, legendary announcer, Marty Brenneman, after 46 years behind the microphone for the Cincinnati Reds, is calling it quits. He called his final game on uh, Thursday, Thursday afternoon, and... Yeah. You know, if you're like me, and I want to talk a little bit about what Marty, you know, uh, has sort of meant to us, but it just, it kind of irritated me that all I wanted was one more and this one belongs to the Reds. And of course the Reds get swept in his final series. That's how it goes. But I mean, you know, if you're going to be a lightweight like Marty and only stick around for 46 years, how much can you expect? Why is he giving up on us already? This organization is coming around. He's just giving up. 46 years into the rebuild, and he's like, oh, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> it's almost 46 years into the rebuild, yes. Uh, Marty Brenneman, you know, um, for anyone doing anything for 46 years is amazing to me. And, sure. being, and being able to go out on your own terms after that is just, uh, it's amazing to me. I had a thought earlier today, Jason. Uh-oh. You, I know, right? It, it happens rarely, and it's often dangerous when that happens. You and I are kind of the, the I'm, I'm a little older than you, but we're sort of the first uh, generation where Marty's kind of been there for as long as we can remember. I, mean, I don't ever remember a time that Marty wasn't on the radio. Uh, I mean, in my life. There, there was no kind of for me. I, I'm, I'm unclear exactly how, I'll be honest, on exactly how old you are, but I know you're a little bit older than me, and by a little bit, I mean 30 to 70 years. Um, but I was born in 1980. Yeah, and Marty has literally been the voice of the Reds for my entire life. I'm not going to reveal how old I am here on this uh, podcast, but I will say he has been for my entire life as well. And yeah. so, um, when I say there's really not a time, I just uh, mean in the sense that I don't remember him when I was young. Um, I'm sure he was on uh, because my my father, my grandfather, all big Reds fans, and uh, which saddled me with this nonsense. But uh, you know. Uh, a lot of people have talked about it. they remember him, you know, with the big red machine and all that. And a lot of the stories about him uh, hanging out with those guys or whatever. But but for us, it's just he's kind of always been there, and it's really I don't know if it's I could say it's not hit me because what's it what's to hit? You know, uh, the guy's yeah. retiring. It happens. It's not it's not. I didn't shed a tear today, uh, although I'm a, a huge fan of Marty Brenneman. But uh, but it's really strange to think that you know what he's not—he's not, he's not going to be around anymore because you just uh, love him or hate him, 
he's always been there in the background. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, um, I think I think pretty much everybody had feelings of some kind today if you were a Reds fan, and and it was strange. And I mean, listening, I don't know, did you listen to the post game today? I did, I did. It was uh, it was emotional. It was. I mean, that was pretty powerful stuff. And and yeah, I mean, I Lord knows I've not always agreed with Marty, but he has definitely been sort of uh, one of the most constant things in my life for you know coming up on forty years now. Yeah, and and definitely he's given us plenty to disagree with him uh, about. And I think he would appreciate that fact because he just he, quote unquote tells it like he, it is, but really telling like he thinks it is. But either way, yeah. that's part of that's part of who he's become. But uh, to me, I, maybe I'm biased because he has been the guy for my entire life. But I, you know, Vince Scully is probably the only uh, broadcaster I've ever heard who I felt like really described the action was as comfortable behind a mic to describe the action, exactly what's happening. than Marty, I mean, I, I've heard a lot and, and, and whether you agree with him, or disagree with him, you got to concede that he was really, really good at, what, at his craft. Fantastic. I mean, he was excellent at play by play. I, you know, I, yeah, as far as the analysis, you know, but right. but his play-by-play was just un- unparalleled, really. I mean, you're right. It's, it's him and Scully, and that's kind of it, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, I want to mention a couple of uh, my memories, I guess, of, of Marty, and if you have any you want to kick in, uh, certainly do that. But um, for me, whenever I think about Marty, I mean, obviously you think about Marty and Joe, but yeah, uh, when I think about Marty, Marty and Joe, I think about when I was growing up, my brother and I used to play uh, wiffle ball in our in our front yard, and it was one on one wiffle ball because there's no way else to play with most of the time. I mean, and, we've all we've all done that. Sure, yeah. uh, we had you know certain rules. You hit it past the into the porch as a double. It's an out if you catch the ground ball before it stops moving. Things like that. And I, I remember vividly listening to uh, the game was always on on a on a radio on the porch. Always playing, you know, when we were having those games on Saturday afternoons or, or really all summer long. And yeah. uh, I, I'm never going to forget. The, that's just when people say it's the, it was the soundtrack to my childhood, it really was in a lot of ways. I mean, it really was the background noise. Even if I wasn't really listening to it, it was always there. Kind of like yeah. the movie score. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I agree completely. I mean, I you know, anything I would say would just be a duplication of that. It's It's – just the, the constancy of it is, is part of the rhythm of a summer day, and it's just, you know. Yeah. Uh, now, the Reds also announced today that uh, Tommy Thrall, its official, is going to be taking over for Marty Bremen next year. Do you have any thoughts on Tommy Thrall? I'll be honest. You know, I, I, I tuned in toward the end for, for Marty, but I didn't ha- I didn't listen that much this year. I watched a lot more than I listened. What I've heard of Thrall, I think he seems pretty good, and and I think he probably will be fine. I think he will probably probably be fine. I think he's a perfectly competent professional broadcaster. Yeah, I I was a big fan of of uh, of uh, Welsh, Chris Welsh or Jim Kelch. Jim Kelch, sorry, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was too. I think we might have been Kelch, the only ones. Kelch was really good. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, yeah. he, I think he could have done it. They let him go, but they did. Yeah. Uh, Thrall, you know, is is perfectly fine. And he may end up growing on all of us. Um, I don't think anyone's going to say he's, he's bad. 
but he represents what the difference is going to be in terms of listening to the Reds going forward, which is instead of having this guy that's extremely comfortable behind the mic, that is just uh, smooth, you're going to have a professional broadcaster straight out of central casting. And he's absolutely competent, and he's going to describe the action well, and, and Tommy Thrall is going to be, he's going to be fine. But I, I don't know that we'll ever see anyone, because around baseball it's the same way. I mean, there are just these announcers who are who grew up uh, imitating each other, I guess, in some ways. And, uh, and that's what Thrall is, which is, he's fine. He's, you know, he's good at his job. He's just kind of kind of there though he's, there's not yeah we'll have to wait and see if you know when he gets a little comfortable if he grows into things a little bit or whatever um yeah he may show some uh, personality i mean certainly jeff brantley I, I thought was horrific in the first couple of years and he's really grown into yeah I, I enjoy most of the time i have my issues with him from time to time but yeah uh, is, i mostly like him is there anyone that we would listen to this many uh hours over the course of years that we're not going to have issues with occasionally. I mean, uh, you can't you can't have a career in broadcasting and have this much output without saying dumb stuff every once in a while. I never say dumb things. No, that's true, except for you. But I'm not a broadcaster either, so. <laughs> now, we're going to do some viewer mail later, but I've got a viewer mail question that I want you to a- answer, Jason. This is coming from me. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. All right, pressure's on. Is it true? This is, this is hashtag AxeChad. Is it true that Chad Dotson is now the voice of the Cincinnati Reds? This is from you? Yeah, this is my question to you. Do you is that you think that's true? Are you now the voice of the Cincinnati Reds? Yes. I mean, I think I'm probably the heir apparent, right? Well, it really depends on if we want people to be able to understand the voice or not. Oh, man. Are you mocking my dul- dulcet tones? I would never. Oh, just because I talk like I'm from Alabama, Jason. Well, or at least Southern Virginia. Or Indiana. Hey, now. (laughs) I know. I don't know why you don't talk weird. Um, Yeah, Tommy Thrall, uh, I'm fine with him. I I think he's going to be fine. I I expect that I may find myself listening to the radio a little less. I I like to go out on the the back deck and... uh, you yeah, know, with a book and have the game on in the background, and I, yeah, I guess I'll still do that, but I don't know. It was just it was, it's going to be different. So anyway, uh, Godspeed, Marty. I, I think no one is going to have more fun in retirement than that guy. I think he's you know he likes to travel and wear goofy clothes, and I think he's set up to and, and appears to still be healthy. So wish yeah. him the best. Uh, let's go if we could. That's the big news, obviously, around the Reds this week. And we could continue talking about that for a while if we wanted. But there's a couple of minor items that we need to kind of talk about. First of those is that uh, Sonny Gray, you know Sonny Gray, he had arthroscopic surgery on his right elbow. Yep. Today, uh, or this week, I guess it was uh, yesterday when we were talking. But um, they took out some loose uh, things that were floating around in his elbow. Um Evidently, it went well. Should have no effect on his off-season plans, they say, and that's kind of a uh, you know routine as much as anything that you got to get cut on is routine. But a routine uh, procedure, and um, no reason to be worried about Sonny Gray. Am I right? Yeah, I don't think so. I think I, I, I don't know about you, but I have a couple of loose bodies that float around from time to time. Um, are, are, are they your children? 
Well, they are. But no, I actually, I have a little bit, I have in one knee and, and every once in a while things will kind of float in there. And I'm not a big league pitcher, so I don't need surgery to remove them. But every so often I'll go to like kneel down to do something. And it's like, oh God. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that it's fine. Um, it's, it's, I think pretty standard issue. And obviously they said it was bothering him all season long. So I don't feel that we should be concerned if he pitched as well as he did all season. And then it's just, you know, here, you know, but it sounds like he'll probably be a little bit sore for a couple of days and maybe, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, he was scheduled to take some time off from throwing, I'm sure anyway, with the yeah. season just ending, but they said he came into the clubhouse that they had a, a little cup with these pieces of bone that were in his, uh, in his elbow to show everyone. So, um, and, and that, is it, isn't it more amazing that he was pitching through that and still one of the best pitchers in the league? Boy, yeah, boy, Sonny Gray. We got Sonny Gray for what? Shed Long? <laughs> I, yes, I mean, really. Uh, yeah, th- you know, four years of Sonny Gray. Yeah, you know, come on. Uh, that's that's good news. The other uh, bit of uh, you know, I guess it's news, kinda, was that uh, Tucker Barnhart. Uh, He's been experimenting some uh, lately, I guess, but he said specifically that he's probably going to give up switch hitting. And uh, I think his splits would show that that's probably a good idea. I mean, it's hard to imagine him being worse, right? Yeah. I mean, 220, 297, 296 as a right-handed hitter in his career. That's. I mean, that's not even Billy Hamilton numbers. Well, because Billy Hamilton's great. He's in the playoffs, man. Yeah, as as a right hand or as a left handed uh, hitter against right handed pitching, Tucker Barnhart hit two fifty nine, three thirty seven on base, three ninety slugging. So I mean that's that's a pretty big difference, and uh, probably enough of a difference that uh, f- makes him a, a, a pretty good catcher to be in a you know one that's uh, not really a threat at the plate much, and he really hasn't been great at the plate the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, Tucker is. I think. I think to some extent, Tucker might, I mean, he almost got traded last offseason, right? Yeah, yeah. the Reds have, tra- have looked to upgrade that. Yeah, and he's, he's aware. I mean, you can't, sure. I, I, think, I think that there is some extent of, okay, and the hitting is, as you said, it, re- it is regressed, and I think there's probably some, hey, I've got to pick it up if I want to keep my job. Yeah, um, my feeling about Tucker, though, is that I would love for the Reds to upgrade catcher. And get a you know if, even if it's Yasmani Grandal whoever you know whatever um, as your primary starter and then just uh, you know sort of shuffle Tucker back to the backup role because I think he can play another ten years in the league as a backup catcher. I agree. You know so I uh, maybe maybe uh, you know a couple years of another catcher and then we transition to Tyler Stevenson or something. You know I uh, I'm okay with Tucker Barnhart. He, get, he has a little bit of uh, he kind of uh, mini Ryan Hannigan. He gets on base some and uh, pretty good defensively. So. I don't know. That was uh, it, probably not interesting enough for as many minutes as we just gave it for discussion. I did want to mention to you, uh, Nick Senzel had shoulder surgery. Yeah. To repair a torn labrum. For next year. What's that? That's going to be interesting for next year. Oh, they're, they're saying that they haven't announced any actual timetables, but everyone's saying out loud that they hope he's ready for opening day. Oh. I was looking for 2020 to be a big breakout season. Person yeah. under his belt, and I yeah. really wanted him to start the year healthy. And um, I guess the, the the question that was posed to me when I was talking to uh, Steve Offenbaker, the Reds Alert podcast, um, which is uh, his contention was 
maybe this is a, another reason to move him back to second base where there'd be less uh, chances of injury uh, to his shoulder. Strain on his shoulder in and, terms of throwing. Yeah, the throw. And uh, and he, I think he made a play against the walls, what actually hurt him. Yeah. His shoulder. So, I mean, you can still hurt your shoulder at second base as well, but yeah. or you can break a finger like he did. But you have any yeah. thoughts on uh, on that? I don't. I worry more about his hitting because shoulder injuries can kind of linger in a way that bothers power. Is my understanding? Um, I think defensive. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I don't even know what to believe with defense anymore. And there's so much. So much has changed. There are so many shifts, and the numbers were already unreliable. And I don't even know how much individual defense even matters anymore. Yeah, yeah. So I only really worry about his bat, frankly. I'm getting to that point as well. I'm just I'm not sure that uh, the the measurement systems for defense now have caught up with uh, the data that is being used to shift guys around the around the field. You know, the eye test might be just as good a test as any these days. Proves the yeah. uh, So I don't know. I, I think he's probably still the center fielder. But if the Reds really think that's an issue, I don't see any reason with uh, not to try to move him back to second base. I, you know, you have to, you have to require, yeah. acquire either a second baseman or a center fielder either way. So Yeah, I mean, as as long as, as Senzel, you know, as long as it looks like he's going to be healthy coming in, I mean, my, my take on it would just be like figure out where you can make the biggest improvement and do that and then have Nick Senzel play the other place. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I agree. Um what about this? Season attendance at Great American Ballpark for 2019, 1.775 million. That is the second lowest mark, I believe, maybe third lowest since 1984. Somewhere in that neighborhood. It's 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 these are the last two years have been the two lowest years since the early 80s in yeah. attendance. Milwaukee. Milwaukee obviously is in a big market, and Cincinnati is a small market, right? Milwaukee's uh, season attendance uh, is about three million. Now, what what explains that difference, Jason? There's only one thing that explains it. I'm going to let you uh, enlighten us. Um, is it that Milwaukee has uh, Christian Yelich? Oh no, wait! I know it's Bernie Brewer, right? <laughs> it's Bernie Brewer. Have you seen that slide? It's yeah, awesome. it's the slide. Yeah. No, it's the W's. Yeah, they win. The Reds, six straight years now, uh, losing seasons. And I'm frustrated. You're frustrated. We're all frustrated. Uh, as I've said, I think they're in a, a better spot than they've been in a while. But still, it's frustrating. And, and even uh, Joey Votto, a little frustrated with it. And uh, there's a couple of quotes that he had this week that are interesting. One of these was uh, he said to uh, all the beat writers, basically, in a big uh, big interview, I'm always optimistic. I'm optimistic. I'm always hopeful. We seem to be getting better, but everyone else around us is also getting better, and we have to respect that. I can't foresee anything in the future, but this year was not a good year. I think often about that in recent history. This is year six, and we absolutely have to be a better team for the city, for the fan base. We can't keep talking about next year, next year, next year. Frankly, personally, I'm frustrated. I think we're all frustrated here. And you asked a question whether or not I see it coming. It doesn't really matter whether or not there are any signs because we just it's our sixth straight losing season. It's unacceptable. Doesn't that sound like something that you or I could have said? Yep. And, I mean, that's also, that's why we love Joey. I mean, among other things that he said, you know. Um, he also said in those in those interviews, and, I, and uh, I'm not looking at the quotes, and this isn't directly, you know, a direct quote, but he basically said, 
that he has no interest in going to another team to try to win a World Series. He really only wants to win a World Series in Cincinnati. Uh, and he also said that if he felt like, genuinely felt like he couldn't perform anymore, that he would walk away from his contract. Yeah. And I believe that 100%, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've all, of all the base play, baseball players that I've ever like thought about, I, I have no, no problem at all imagining Joey just deciding, that's enough, I'm going to go do something else now. Yeah, I mean, I can't live up to the standard that I've set for myself because of age, and so yeah. uh, I'm not going to diminish what I've already done. So, yeah. What kind of a year is Joey Votto going to have next year? Um, I predict, these are the numbers that I predict for him. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. 296, 385, 464. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, that's uh, that's what he's been for most of this season, frankly, right around there. Uh, those are his numbers since May twenty fourth. <laughs> you go, then. See, I didn't, uh, I didn't get what you're what you're doing there. I knew it was somewhere close to that. So excellent. Exactly, exactly. Four hundred plate appearances, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's a guy that I don't know. I think he figured something out. Uh, you know, he wasn't able, he's had bad starts before and he yeah. can roar him back to have great numbers still. And he, he wasn't able to do that because, you know, he's bounced his back. Was so bad. And the, his ability to bounce back is just not what it was when he was in his prime. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I, I think normal Joey now is probably 20 to 30% better than league average. Uh, and you know what? <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. But Hey, listen, that's still real good. <laughs> yes. You know that's 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 not far off of what Gino was this year. Ah, uh, Gino, is he going to get fifty? Oh, of course. He's one more home run in the next uh, three days. Yeah. Gosh, I never would have thought Gino would hit fifty home runs. It's amazing. Can can we um, please just just pause again to marvel at how entirely correct I was about Eugenio Suarez? Now you're kind of wrong. You, you said that you'd rather have Alfredo Simon. I remember it. No, Chad. No. No. From the day he was acquired, I said, he's going to be good. Reds fans don't know what they have. I've said, I said it for years, and I keep being right, and I keep saying he'll get better, and he keeps getting better. Okay. You, you, you absolutely have been saying that, and we have the archives here of the podcast to prove it. But yeah. can, you, can you honestly say you ever envisioned him having a 50-home run season? No, and I mean, if I'm if I'm being totally honest, I don't think any of the home run numbers from the season are legit. I agree. I agree. But like, I, I, you know, people are like, no one's hit this many since whenever. It's like, well, how juiced was the ball whenever? Because <laughs> it's real juiced this year. But um, how many indications that it's going to shift back next year? But how many other third basemen have hit 49 home runs this year? How many other third basemen in history have hit 49 home runs? Well, zero in the NL, right? Right, right. But I, who, who? I'm, that's what I was wondering. Is I couldn't think of who in the AL would have hit fifty. A Rod. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also known as Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. Married to married to uh, J Lo. Yeah. It's my timely nineteen nineties reference. Although I did watch a J Lo movie a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I, yeah, she has a movie, and it's getting. Uh, Pretty good reviews, I think, right? It does get good reviews, and it's not very good. Well, that happens sometimes. <laughs> she's she's pretty good in it, but yeah, she, it's really not a very good film. Well, um, Hustlers, yeah, the Pete Rose story. <laughs> oh gosh, 
You know, it could be. <laughs> oh, gosh. Forget that. I'm not, I'm not watching that movie. Um, <laughs> so here's the here's the question that I want to... You've kind seen of, that underwear ad, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, he was, <laughs> he was smuggling some grapes in that... Uh, in that photo yikes um that's gonna be the name of this podcast smuggling grapes um <laughs> i don't know how we we maybe just need to stop there i don't know how we can recover from that you put that image in my head oh it's horrific <laughs> oh man so joey Votto, we love joey Votto. we do love joey Votto. I, I want to talk about because this is something I wrote about, and, and you, you actually, I think that was your uh, final contribution at Red Leg Nation, was uh, you talked about how we how we judge the team and then what really we kind of need to do to go forward. That, that's what this organization needs to do this off season. And I've basically said that they've got to go really big. And if they mm-hmm. don't, then, yeah. you know, I don't know why fans would continue to, to kind of play around with them. Am I, am I overstating that case a little bit? Because sometimes it feels like I'm exaggerating. You're not, I don't think, but I, I would like to say one thing. Like, I do have one comment, because people, I understand why people are down on the Reds and such. But I will say that I was, and I think everybody was, genuinely surprised at how bad the offense was for most of the year. I don't think any of us saw that coming. I don't think the front office saw that coming. So, like, going into the season, we had good reason to be optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't a matter of they just stood pat. Like, no, they made some big moves, and they, the moves they made paid off. Um, you know, if this team, uh, I'm looking now, they are 23rd in baseball in position player wins above replacement, according to fan graphs. Yes. And, I mean, I think we all would have had them, you know, upper middle of the pack. Not an elite, elite team, but, you know, maybe in the in the 10 to 15 range. You know, I looked earlier this week, though, and I think they were 13th out of 15 in the, uh, just among National League teams. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, if they'd been, like, a average to a little above average offensively, then this is a very different season. Oh, absolutely, 100%. I mean, I think if they're an average offense, yes, we're probably, in, at least in the playoff conversation still right now. With, yeah, uh, the which season. is, I mean, which is what we all anticipated. Yes, I agree. Um, it, is, it is an instance, I think, where if you go back before – this year, like before last offseason, I, I give no credit to the front office. They were continually incompetent. Um, but I can't take any issue with what they did. It's like it's kind of they did the right things and it didn't work out, which happens sometimes. So now the test is going to be, will they do the right thing a second year in a row? Or was it just, well, we made one attempt at it and that's all that is? Yeah, but my, my thing is they didn't really make a real attempt at it. You know, they made an attempt to get better. Yeah, um, but you know, if if Nixon's L wasn't in the opening day lineup, then they weren't That's serious true. about winning every game. We've That's had that true. conversation. That's we don't need to rehash it. So, yeah. um, but they were they were in. They just weren't all in. And yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying is, whatever the moves are, and I'm like you, I'm optimistic about the guys that are making the decisions now. You know, I really yeah. think there's a reason for clear separation between what happened before this season, in terms yeah. of the, the 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 quality of moves and the lack of uh, ownership getting in the way, I guess. Yeah. So that's the good news. But the bad news is this offense was not anywhere close to average. If you look at that position player war, I think they have to double it basically to get to be an average offense this year, at least when I looked at it earlier this week. And that that's going to be hard to do. I, I broke it down yeah. by position. Uh, 
by position player uh, wins above replacement. Catchers, uh, Reds catchers were ninth. First baseman, 12th. Second baseman, 13th. Third baseman, 4th. That's good. Shortstop, 13th. Left field, 13th. Center field, 13th. Right field, 11th out of 15 National League teams. That's pretty uniformly a terrible offense. And I absolutely agree that we couldn't uh, see that coming. Yeah. The Reds didn't see that coming, and that's reasonable. But now it's pretty clear here they've got to do something to upgrade the offense because just hoping that some of these guys are going to bounce back. You know, we, we think Joey Votto will, for example, but just hoping that these guys are going to do that, it's not a great strategy when you have an offense that was so bad this year. Yeah, they need, I, you know, and and I think we both have kind of talked about this ad nauseum at this point, but still, it bears repeating. They need two bats at least. Um, and it's it's a matter of, you know, my, my, my opinion personally is you empty the farm system to make one trade to get one guy, because let's be real, they the farm system is not that good now. Like, people graduated slash were traded. You got enough prospects to probably get one contributor, get one real good contributor, and then sign one or two other legit players. And the only free agents on the market, there are a total of four free agents on the market, position player-wise, that I'm remotely interested in. Um, there's, five, there's five for me, but let me hear your four. Okay, that's Rendon and Gregorius and uh, Randall and Puig. Hmm. I didn't have Puig on my list, but I would add him as well. I, I have Puig just because it's you need a right fielder, and if you're you're either going to trust Aquino, and I can imagine Aquino being trade bait, frankly, but if you're you're either going to trust Aquino or you have to sign a right fielder, and there's nobody else who can play right field. And Nick Castellanos is the is the guy that I he's a right fielder that I would throw in there as being a, a clear upgrade. Um, and yeah, I'm less I'm I'm less bullish on him. I think you know he's he's going to be a two and a half to three win player. I think, and uh, <laughs> that would be way better than what we've gotten in right field. Um, would it? I don't know that it would. You don't think so? You do, you do, well, I, I I'm going to have to say I don't know for sure that that's better than Aquino can do. I will I will agree with that. Yeah, with that point. Uh, I think yeah, Aquino was going to be a positive contributor next year if he gets a chance to play. I just don't know if he's going to get a chance to play here. Yeah, and and and. Castellanos is just my. I haven't honestly I haven't seen him play all that much, but my understanding is that he is just a butcher defensively. We, we've got some of those. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, whereas Aquino is not. I mean, Aquino's not perfect, but but I, I think if, uh, defensively he's he's a contributor to some extent. Um, I want to go back to uh, what, what we were just talking about just a moment ago in the second in terms of who the Reds need to sign. But first, I want to circle around this outfield situation because I made the point and I don't know if you and I disagree or uh, just have kind of different views. I don't know, but I feel like if we go into next season with a Jesse Winker, Philip Urban platoon in left, Senzel in center and Aquino in right field, then um, we're in trouble unless the Reds sign two or sign a trade for two big time players on the infield. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think I have somewhat of a milder take on it. Um, I, I, my, for me, it's really just a matter of the fact that the Reds need to add two bats. And if I'm taking a guess as to which positions are the most di- potentially disastrous last next year, it's not the outfield. It's the middle infield. 
I can imagine second base and shortstop both just being black holes for the Reds next year. Just disastrously so. Um, and so because of that, like that seems to me like the areas that where things should be focused. Um, in terms of the outfield, it kind of depends. I mean, if you think you, Senzel, I, I, I think everybody assumes that if he's healthy, Senzel will take a step forward. You know, he's had his rookie year. You know, kind of, you, there are basically two progressions for rookies. There's, oh, I'm good right away, and there's, I need a year to adjust. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everybody thinks that Senzel will be, will be good. He's been good um, everywhere he's ever been in his life. He's going to be fine. Yeah. Winker and Urban, I think people, frankly, underestimate. I think mm-hmm. that if they, if they platoon, that's going to be one of the best left fields offensively. I'm not talking defense because I don't know about defense anymore. But offensively, that's going to be one of the best left fields in baseball. So then the question really is just is just Aquino and how much you believe in him. And if you don't, you sign Puig or Castellanos. And if you do, you stick with Aquino and sign somebody else. You know, I guess the way I, the way I frame it is that I do think that a Winker Urban platoon in left field can be can be good. Uh, in that case, I'm probably trying to upgrade right field. I think Aquino yeah. could be fine, but uh, you know, uh, unless the Reds go big, at, you know, for example, second base and catcher or something like that. Yeah. Be, but trusting any of those guys, hoping that they perform better. I mean, I like Winker a lot, and I think Urban has shown he's a he's a player. And I, I agree they're going to be above average, but when you look at wins above replacement. They were still the thirteenth. The Reds left fielders were still thirteenth best in the league. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't want to hope that they're going to do better than that. That takes defense into account too, though. And how much do we believe that? Well, I, and that's maybe your. Uh, that's maybe uh, what you. Uh, how, how you have to frame it if you're trying to make a case for those guys? Because I don't. I mean, you know what? What basically what it comes down to is that I, I, when I looked at the numbers, you would expect if they did a strict platoon, you would expect them to be. You know, basically 25 to 35 percent better than league average. W runs created plus of 125 to 135, and there were but three left fields in baseball that were better than that this year. Uh, well, that's a lot of offense from a position that's supposed to generate offense, and it's probably well. I think it's no doubt the least essential defensive position on the field. I agree with that, and I agree with you about with your assessment about what they should do in terms of uh, hitting. But yeah. they, didn't, they didn't do that this year. No, they didn't. But I don't think, again, I don't think that it was anticipated. I mean, it, you know, if you look at, I mean, Weaker actually ended up, his issue really is, has become staying healthy. Um, he keeps getting hurt. But he's hit. I mean, you know, he started, he scuffled for a while to start this year, but he came around and, and his numbers across his three seasons are not, you know, out of line with what you would expect from mm-hmm. him at any point. So I, I agree, but now we've seen a year where those guys did not perform up to that level. And yeah. I guess I guess what I'm the point I'm trying to make is I want the Reds to be gambling at uh very few positions going into next year and it would be a gamble to depend on those guys. I think they can probably do it if they're healthy. I, I'm like you, I love those guys. Yeah. And I I think basically what I'm thinking is that I can't I mean as much as I would love to. I can't imagine the Reds signing more than two free agents, like big name free agents. And they probably only have the stuff to get one guy in a trade. So max, I mean, best case scenario, they're adding three significant pieces to the lineup. You're still going to have some questions there. I mean, you, this is a lineup with significant questions. And you could reasonably say that there are questions in this lineup everywhere except third base. Oh, I think that's absolutely the case. Third base is the only position where I'm 
uh, reasonably right. confident that. Uh, so then the question is, where do you aim? I mean, obviously, Joey's going to stick. And, and if you're ever going to believe in somebody, you're going to believe in Joey. Right. Um, for me, the next most likely spot on the field that I feel confident will be for sure above average offensively, at least, is left field. Um, and then I would probably put Senzel next, and then I would probably put Aquino. And, and then, you know, your bottom three for me. Really, really, I want a new middle infield, and I want a new catcher. Well, I, I do want to talk about the middle infield because you're absolutely right. But yeah. I just – I don't have issues with Winker Urban or with Aquino, but they both represent huge gambles to me. And and my whole goal is to see the Reds have uh, just as many places where we feel comfortable going into the season with these guys. I, I agree. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you at all. I'm just – I think when I'm looking at it, I'm just looking at it from a what, what can reasonably be hoped for viewpoint i guess yeah yeah and you're not wrong I, you know and uh and again i like those guys i'm not gonna have a problem with it but in terms of who the reds need to acquire here's my first thought they all right. should already have prepared a, a package some sort of slick uh, glossy uh, magazine and uh, or i guess not magazines these days um but uh, you know some sort of uh, slick multimedia pr- uh production and and all and have a blank check on a you know covered dish ready to unveil for Anthony Rendon. It's my yeah. opinion that Anthony Rendon should be the number one and number two uh, options in terms of who they target this year as a free agent. Anthony Rendon is a third baseman. We already said the Reds do have a third baseman, but if you get Anthony Rendon and a. Eugenio Suarez, you figure it out. He's the yeah. one guy that I think he would be the in- second I believe, right? He, well, they both played some second. Rendon's played a lot of second in the majors. Yeah. And of course, he'd, he'd have to be willing to move. If not, uh, you know, you have to talk to Suarez because he's your guy too, and uh, see if he's willing to move. But yeah, I mean, Rendon. I'm just looking now. He played almost 500 innings at. Well, it's been a few years. 2015, he played 500 innings there. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've shifted him back to third, and he's been good. But I don't, he's just the one impact, real impact bat. Yeah. That you put that guy in this lineup, and all of a sudden we're kind of talking. I'm signing on for that, regardless of who else they get. Uh, they still need to get more, I agree, but he needs to be the, yeah. the target. But will he? That's the question I have for you. Will Will the Reds actually be serious about get, getting Anthony Rendon? That's going to be a big contract. <laughs> well, you're right. But, I mean, it's market. Also, they don't have the money. It's not going to be. It's not going to be like a Bryce Harper contract, though, because he's too old for that. I mean, he'll be age thirty season next year. Mm. No, age twenty nine season next year. Yeah. Um. No, it'll be, yeah, whatever. Age 29 or age 30 season next year. And uh, so, you know, based on what we've seen from the market, he's probably going to get a five-year deal, don't you think? We're probably about 150 to $170 million. Whatever it is, it needs to be coming out of uh, Castellini's wallet. Yeah. I mean, if if they're not going to go after a guy like that, and again, it, he has a choice in where he plays. So he may just decide he wants to go play for somebody else, you know. Uh, somebody's yeah. in a better the Astros. He may like to live in Houston, or um, although I'm not sure why you would, but uh, or L.A. or something like that. What I think actually, you mentioned Bryce Harper. I think the Nationals are going to go all out to keep him because it's coming on the heels of losing Harper last year. That they the PR hit they well, take. I saw at least one thing saying that basically the Nationals had kind of walked away from the table. Really? Well, that, that'd be yeah. good. Um, we better be getting reports as soon as the World Series is over. That that's who they're targeting. I, 
I, I agree. I agree. And I think that, and I think, you know, let's, let's be, let's, in an ideal world, you sign Anthony Rendon, right? Mm-hmm. And then, in an ideal world, yes. And then you're calling Cleveland and Boston and seeing who you can get to bite on another bat. You're talking about Mookie Betts or uh, Francisco Lindor? That's who I'm talking about. Yeah, that is an ideal world. Uh. There's been uh, there's been rumors also that uh, Kettle Marte is on the market. Oh man, yeah, I like that guy. Yikes! See, see, yeah. Here's what I worry: I worry that the Reds don't have the trade chips to really land those guys. You know, um, I think they have the trade chips to land one of those guys. Do you though? Yeah, I wonder. I hope. Hope's not a strategy, as I keep saying. But I think I think if you've got a team that is actually legitimately hitting rebuild mode. Um, I think Jonathan India has been really good so far. Yeah, but today Baseball America had their top 20 Southern League prospects, and he wasn't even in it. True. But still, I agree. He has has value. You got Jonathan India. You got Hunter Green. You got Nick, who starts with an L, whose last name I can never say right. Ladolo. Yeah, that one. Nicholas and let's, you know, something that I, I guess people haven't really talked about, but um, if, like, if the Reds make a play and they sign Grandall, and that, then Tyler Stevenson's got to be available, right? Um, boy, I wouldn't make him available, no, because Grandall was Grandall going to be? 31, something like that? How I, you getting him for a one- or two-year deal? No, but with catchers, you never know. And Stevens can be his backup. Uh, you know, the way you play him 60-40, Stevens can come to the big leagues and be ready to take over. When, I, I don't know. I'm, but, yeah. But if you could trade, if, if Tyler Stevenson was the difference between getting Francisco Lindor and not. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. Uh, you also made a, a, a point that I think is really intriguing, which is also, hey, let's sign Alex Wood. Hopefully he'll be cheap. And trade yeah. Trevor Bauer. And... And you may not be able to trade Trevor Bauer to one of these teams you're talking about in terms of being a uh, uh, ready to hit a rebuild stretch, but maybe yeah. you can trade him and get some assets back that you could include in a deal for a bat somewhere, something like that. Yeah, yeah. The the Trevor Bauer thing, you know, it's one of those things where it's, you know, I, I I think you do this too, and and probably a lot of people um, who listen to the podcast do this is that sometimes you just find yourself like, you know, kind of clicking around and looking at numbers, right? Sure. And I was just, like, I was staring at Bauer's numbers, and I was like, you, you know, for all the talk he gets, people talk about him, like, he is, like, he gets ace talk. You know what I mean? Because because he wasn't ace for one year. Yeah, he wasn't ace for one year, and I was looking at the rest of his career, and I was like, you know, he had a heck of a year last year, but otherwise those numbers look pretty average. Mm-hmm. And whenever I think about average, I think about Mike Leak who is a criminally underrated pitcher, I believe. So I actually went and looked up Mike Leake's career numbers, and they are, though Mike Leake has pitched significantly more innings, his like career ERA, fielding independent pitching, etc., are almost identical to Trevor Bowers. Mm-hmm. Which is a good pitcher. It's a, yeah. it's a guy that can help you, but it's not an ace. Right, and but, but the way that people perceive of Mike Leake versus the way they perceive of Trevor Bowers is radically different. Even though realistically, and especially given what Bauer's done this year, you really don't have a right to expect any more from Bauer than you do from Leak. 
Well, but you know the reason for that is that Bauer did have one year where he was mm-hmm. up among the elite for one season. My hope would be that someone might be willing. I mean, I'm fine with Trevor Bauer as your third starter because that's kind of what he is, for, the third yeah. or fourth starter even. Yeah. Uh, and he'll, he'll be fine. But yeah. uh, I, if you can have someone that's convinced he's can be the Trevor Bauer we saw in 2018, I think you can really capitalize and, and, and deal him. Uh, he may look like he's at a low point in terms of his value, but I don't know. It just takes one. And if somebody really needs a pitcher and, and thinks that's the guy. Well, and I should also say that I don't remotely think that Trevor Bauer is actually the pitcher he's been for the Reds. Like, I think he's significantly better right. than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, all right. Let's, uh, you want to answer some viewer mail questions here? And then we'll, then we'll always want to answer listener mail questions, listener Chad. Listener mail. Um, you know, we opened it up to our, our guys at uh, our community at patreon.com slash redlegradio and there were some questions that we'll answer. There were also some, uh, a lot of people wanted to just leave some anecdotes about Marty Brenneman. And uh, so I'm going to, there's going to be maybe a mix of some of that that I'll edit down a little bit with some questions. First one comes from Jay Cottrell. Jay says, Marty, he's talking about Marty Brenneman, I think. Marty said in a couple different interviews that he had hoped to be able to duck out quietly into retirement, but that Castellini had insisted that he owed it to the fans. To do a farewell tour, would it be too much of a stretch to infer that in addition to the hearts of Cincinnati Reds fans, Mr. Castellini may have also been so insistent upon Marty's farewell tour to distract the fan base from another losing season by reminiscing. Not to mention the fact that if he just up and ghosted, it may have given the fans impression of strife. Um, I don't think that was... I think Mr. Castellini and the Reds, uh, that, that side of the, the Reds operation... They love the, the reminiscing, and they love anything like that. And they thought that it was a way, as you saw, there was a decent little crowd there today, and, and I'm sure the, the ratings were up for Reds on Radio yeah. this year. Um, I don't think it was to distract the fan base, though, because I think they, they felt the Reds were going to be a lot better. We all did. That, that wasn't yeah. going to be a losing season. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think that's true. I do think there's, you know, I think there have been some times in recent years where uh, Marty in the front office had not seen eye to eye, so I can see how they would want to avoid him just up and leaving like that. Um, so I, there might be something to the second comment, but yeah, I think really it was just a let's Marty's you know the voice of the franchise, so let's let's send him off in a big way. Yeah, and I'm glad they did that. I mean, it was you know he's just been such a big part of this organization. So um, Nathan Connor asks at Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio. I'm gonna try to. This is a longer one, so I'm gonna try to run through this. Lately, there's been a lot of hand wringing comparing the Braves' rebuild to the Reds, the Atlanta Braves, who of course are in the playoffs for the second straight yeah. year, um, and who started their rebuild essentially the same time as the Reds. During a recent episode of the Effectively Wild podcast, that they did a retrospective on recent attempts at rebuilding uh, through aggressive means such as tanking. Uh, they talked about the Cubs, Braves, Phillies, White Sox, Astros, Padres. Their conclusions were that these aggressive rebuilds are no guarantee, and in fact, if you look at this year's playoff contenders, there's really a decent cross-section of organizational building strategies across those clubs. You've got your big money clubs like Yankees and Dodgers and your innovators like Tampa Bay, but a healthy dose of middle market teams that turned a roster without that severe downturn in wins over a number of years with the goal of building a powerhouse. And of course, the Brewers were cited. Yeah. Uh, and the Twins, who kind of went from really bad, though, but to the playoffs overnight. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so they, I guess to the the context that it can, it can, you don't have to go, you don't have to go, you can turn it around quickly. So, uh, Nathan's question basically is, what do you think? Is there a path forward for the Reds that isn't the hard reboot? I think the perception that teams of any market size need to do a hard reboot is a really effective marketing strategy by Major League Baseball. Yeah, 
Yeah, give the Reds a few years of not spending. Yep. It's an excuse for owners to generate massive amounts of profit while selling to the fan base an idea that they just can't afford to win, so they've got to get some draft picks. Yeah. Now, what about this question, just very quickly? Right. Can, can you imagine a scenario where the Reds try to do upgrade this year and they just, you know, they may not be able to do it. I mean, you know, they can't convince, yeah. they can't force people to come play here. Um, and they have only so many assets to trade to, to get hitters in. Uh, what if they have a, another losing year next year? Um, at that point, he said the word hard reboot. There's no way in the world they can do anything like that, right? I think they've got to kind of go all in until they get it right. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, whether it's this year or next year, it, they cannot punt. They they cannot punt another season until they have a, another decent run of competition. Uh, and yeah. it, like it should be noted that like I think everybody understands that any team, even the you know the huge market teams, like it's just kind of. There is a natural ebb and flow. Like, you know, you'll age out. So, you know, there will be a year here in a few years where all of a sudden the Dodgers will only win, like, 76 games. Yeah. That'll happen. That's just natural. That's part of baseball. Nobody's on top forever. But then the question is, it's not a matter of, oh, here's a couple of years where we only won 76 or 77 games. It's those years where it's like, well, this year, you know, how many years in a row did we go without breaking 70 wins? Like, that's, that's the stuff that, to me, is just completely unacceptable. Yeah, and to me, it's a matter of urgency. They've got to show urgency from this point forward, I think. And uh, and, and listen, <laughs> we've been waiting. No one's going to believe in them that they're going to be able to do the rebuild right the next time around. So I'm, I, I will. I hate to say it because we spend so much time talking about the Reds, but I and I, this is a thread. I'm still going to watch them. I'm not going to quit watching for. But I'm going to find it difficult to get an, interested in an organization that is just sort of trading water because been too long. I've been too old for this. i got other things I can do with my time. Yeah. Hooper yep. Powell asks, this is a good one. I think that you and I are going to agree pretty quickly on the same answer, so maybe we'll ask who the second one is. All Hooper right. asks, let's play a game called which player will not be on the opening day roster next year? Here are your choices. Pick one. One of these players will not be on the opening day roster next year. Who is it? Jesse Winker, Jose Peraza, Tucker Barnhart, Trevor Bauer. Peraza, easy. Easy, Peraza. But who's the second one? Barnhart. Really interesting. I would have thought he was the safest bet. No, and here, I'll, t- I'll tell you my reasoning, and you can tell me your second. I'm thinking purely in terms of, is this player easily replaceable? Yeah. And, you know, Winker, I mean, for all of his imperfections, they're just, I mean, unless they're going to sign what, Marcelo Zuna, you need a left fielder. Um. Trevor Bauer, I mean, I, I could see him going if if they make the move to re-sign out uh, Alex Wood, but there also seems to be some, a lot of people are down on Tyler Malley, so who knows. So it gets hard for me to know, to think that Trevor Bauer will realistically be gone, whereas it's not that hard for me to imagine them signing Yasmani Grandal, and then Barnhart becomes part of a package for some other player. Yeah, the, the reason I just, I think it's either Winker or Bauer, just because I think those guys could be trade chips. Listen. I think I think everybody, depending on how the offseason plays off, plays out. All of those three guys could be trade chips, and Peraza is uh, is a DFA candidate. He is. We have a question about that later. Uh, Jim Conley. This is not a question, but I'm, let me. Uh, this is a good little anecdote, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it. 
Jim says, I met Marty this past winter at Reds Fest. He and the other participants had been signing autographs for a considerable amount of time beyond the scheduled allotment, which was noticeably and understandably tiresome for them. But when my friend and I reached the table to greet Marty, he was just as receptive as I'd imagined him to have been the, to the first fans at front. Genuinely, genuinely interested in what I had to say, smiled, appreciated me sharing early childhood memories of riding around the west side in my grandfather's Cadillac, as he and the old left-hander called the game. Something that Marty has no doubt heard of thousands, thousands of times, but he demonstrated as much regard for me and my simple experience as though he'd been given the compliment for the first time. We lost my grandfather not long after the red season began this year. He was a Korean War veteran, a high school teacher, father of eight, worked every day of his life, and by anyone's measure was a great man. During the funeral services, an uncle emphasized to me that it was Pop who passed his love of Reds baseball onto his children and then to me. My uncle had tears in his eyes and later gave me Pop's old crumpled Reds cap. As I listened to Marty call his final game this afternoon, I struggled to fight off emotion. After all, it's just baseball, right? But childhood memories for me will always include listening to the ball game with Pop, Marty, and Joe being the comforting sound of our summers. So that's, you know, it's not a viewer mail question, but uh, that's the type of anecdote that I bet you can find thousands of them around the uh, the uh, greater Reds uh, area. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me of something that Marty said this afternoon. You might have heard it when, on the broadcast, but he was talking about, it was in the ninth inning, I think, uh, when Robert Stevenson was pitching. He said that, uh, Marty said he stopped uh, to sign some fans, some autographs for fans coming into the stadium today, and he asked some of the fans, which I guess it's where they park, you know, which players stop for you most often. He said almost every single one of them said that Robert Stevenson stops every single time. Yeah, I heard that too. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. There's been a lot of people that don't have had bad thoughts about Robert Stevenson, so that may be a little point in his favor. Nathan Sturworth asks, do you think Derek Dietrich, Jose Peraza, and Kevin Galsman will be non-tendered? I do not think any of them will be worth their projected arbitration salary. Galsman could be worth his. Is it Galsman? Gossman? I never know how to pronounce that. Could be worth yeah. his projected $10 million salary if Derek Johnson can fix him. Um, you, Derek Dietrich, Jose Peraza, Kevin Gossman. Any of them non-tendered? I think, I think, you know, weirdly, this is the one I would be the most apt to keep, but I think Dietrich is gone. Do you really? Because he, he I mean, he hasn't played in months. Yeah, but he's Derek and, Dietrich. He's really cool. He is, and I and I enjoy him, and I think that you know, it's it's weird because it's now I'm like through the looking glass, where it's like I basically think that Derek Dietrich is Scooter Jeanette, but people don't value him as much as he's worth. Whereas with Scooter Jeanette, I thought I always thought that Scooter was a right. was overvalued. Um, and but I mean, he's the, he's the forgotten man on the Reds bench. I, I think he's gone. I hope not because I think he can be a legitimate just like we thought coming into the year before he yeah you know he could be a legitimate bench piece yeah i mean unless there's some lingering injury which i can imagine because he did hit the dl for the il for a while yeah um and i can imagine that being a circumstance where he's just act active in quotation marks uh for the reds and and they keep him around and, and he's here next season but i think he's a valuable bench piece i, do, I really uh, do yeah i really do um, you know i've said with regards to peraza i i've said you know and i, I it just depends on what they do at shortstop. If, if they were to sign Didi Gregorius, I think that Peraza would probably stick on the roster as a utility guy. Whereas if they end up with, say, Freddy Galvis as the starting shortstop, then I don't think there's room for Peraza. You don't need a, a glove first guy, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, one thing that uh, I said, I talked to Stephen Offenbaker, and one thing that, that we discussed was how ridiculous it was that the Reds sent him down and wasted one of his options late in the year this year at the end of August. Uh, yeah. so they would have had an option 
next year to send him down, hang on to him. But now it's going to have to be non-tendered. Um, well, that might tell you something about what they think of him, frankly. Probably does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but about about Dietrich, I want to quickly talk about Gosman, but about Dietrich. The reason I think they need to keep him is he, he's just so cool. You know, I picture him in my head. Every time I picture him in my head, he's not wearing a Reds uniform. He's wearing an REO Speedwagon t-shirt. I mean, how cool is that? That's, that's, he's driving a Trans Am and wearing an REO good. Speedwagon that's t-shirt. Brand of cool. <laughs> uh, those are the guys that were cool when I was, you know, like 11 years old and looking at these high school schoolers. Um... Galsman, I would love to see what Derek Johnson could do with him. I really would. Um, I don't like talking money, but that's going to be a big salary for him if he's just a reliever. But, man, I think he could be a shutdown reliever, and I also think Derek Johnson could potentially turn him into a decent starter again. He He's had you know some success. I don't know. What, what do you think? Quickly, should Galsman be back next year? Not for $10 million. Actually, you know what? No. Yes, because he's one of the best players, and as far as I know, Castellini can have a five hundred million dollar payroll. That's why I don't like talking about money. You know, uh, yeah. if if the Reds think he can be a, a good player next year, pay him his money. And yeah, have him on the roster. So, uh, Stephen Offenberg, we've mentioned him a couple times already. He says, "No question this week. Just wanted to thank Chad, Jason, Bill, and Doug for another great season here at Red Lake Nation Radio." That was pretty nice of Stephen, wasn't it? That is, that is, and I mean, you know, it's, it's sweet when people pretend that I'm not the entire attraction here. But <laughs> you're the headliner. We, we all admit that. Right. Uh, Steve, of course, as we said, Reds Alert podcast, and uh, I wanted to mention just quickly how uh, kind of amazed I am over the last 12 months or so that the Reds podcast space has exploded. We got the we got Steve's, we got uh, um, the Red Reporter podcast has kind of relaunched again. We've got there's a, there's several of them. Coop has his Hunt for Reds October. You got the the um, Jeff Carr's Locked On Reds. Um, all worth a listen, and uh, just uh, I, I, I'm enjoying the fact that uh, the podcast space has grown some. Any thoughts on that? I mean, it's remarkable, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, how's there enough room for all these podcasts? Why aren't yeah. you? Why haven't you been on Coop's podcast? Uh, yeah, I got to watch who I associate myself with. <laughs> Rich Thompson asks at patreon.com slash Radio. The Reds lost a lot of one-run games this year, but what is worse? having led in the late innings and eventually losing the game by one run to the Cubs or Cardinals. What is worse, having the lead late in the innings and eventually losing the game by one run to either the Cubs or the Cardinals? Which is worse? Probably the Cubs, right? You know, this reminds me of something that I, I, I think I read at one point in my role as a high school teacher where um, it was some college's website, you know, like, frequently asked questions for prospective students. And, and the question was, you know, is it better to have good grades and less difficult classes or okay grades and difficult classes? And the answer was, it's best to have good grades and difficult classes. Right, yes. So I think that's my answer there. It's, it's best to not lose to either of those teams. Yes, yes. They're both worse. Yeah. Woo the Reds asks, should Tommy Thrall... Have his own tagline to close out games, or should he just avoid it altogether due to, due to the legendary shoes he is filling? Tommy Thrall, should he have his own tagline? I think he'd just let him settle in. Let him settle in. If he comes up, that's what Marty did. He came up with one that just kind of happened and he kept stuck with it. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know if this, is this a thing like it is in Cincinnati? You know, we had the, uh, Joe Nux, all the old left hander rounding third and heading for home, and 
Marty's, and this one belongs to the Reds. Uh, why do we enjoy that so much? I don't know, but we do. <laughs> we do. Joe Farsing uh, commented on that at Patreon and said his recommendation was, that's thrall, folks. He said, feel free to send royalty checks my way. I think that's pretty good. All right, quickly now, it's the lightning round. You ready for some lightning round? uh... We slow down and take longer. (laughs) Yes. Because we move like we've just been struck by lightning. Pretty much. The lightning round. uh, These are from twitter.com slash redlegradio. Michael Smith asks us for our thoughts on Tommy Thrall taking over for Marty. We've kind of already given those. He'll be fine. Uh, I've got no issues with Tommy Thrall. Uh, He's not Marty, but no one's going to be. It's hard to follow a legend. And then his next question was a follow-up question. How badly will Virginia beat Notre Dame on Saturday? You got any thoughts on that one, Jason? Um, I, 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 no. <laughs> the number 18-ranked Virginia Cavaliers heading to South Bend? I don't care about college football. I don't either, but I like the University of Virginia. That's what I hear. <laughs> Brian, Brian Bout asks, and this is a really good question. I really like this question. It's uh, he. Has, it's 2020 over or under, hash brown viewer mail. So he has several different things, and he, he wants us to pick the over or the under for next year on all, all this. Right. Okay? All right. I got it. 85 wins for the Reds. You take this one, and then I'll take the next one first. Mm, over. I'm, go- I'm going under right now. I'm choosing to believe they'll spend money. Yes. I'll, I'll, I could very easily change my mind on that, depending on what they do, but... As the team is currently constituted, I'm going to go under while hoping for over. 20 home runs for Aristides Aquino. If he plays every day, the over. I'm taking the over on that one. I'm taking the over. Even if he doesn't play every day, I think it's going to be yeah, If he over. plays, say, two-thirds of the games, I'll take the over. Yeah. 390 on base percentage for Joey Votto. You've already, over. You've already taken the under, though. You predicted he was going to be like 384, right? Yeah, well, I was just using numbers. I'll take the over, though, still. I'm going to make a career out of not betting against Joey Votto. You're going to be right more often than not. Yeah. 20 saves for Razel Iglesias as a red. Under. You're going to take the under. I'm taking the under. This This is a tough one for me. I could very well see Iglesias not even being a red next year, which would mean... I think... I, I think he might have worn out his welcome this year. He may have, which is a shame because people are going to forget that he's been a really good pitcher for a while. Yes. Um, he did not cover himself in glory this year. I think I'm going to take the over. I'm, I think I'm going to say that he's here back here next year and then he f- refines his form. Two and a half wins above replacement for Trevor Bauer. I'm taking the over. That's tough. It is a very tough one. I like the way Brian... Uh, uh, Put together this list of questions. I'm taking the – it's going to be slightly over is my prediction. Yeah, that's that one's like a coin flip for me. Uh, it's going to be exactly 2.5. I'll take the under and say that it's going to be like 2.3. Yeah, I'm going to say 2.7. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well placed. Exactly. All right, last one. 0.5 major free agent signings. And, and, and it's major free agent signings he – Includes top five available position player or pitcher. Is that top five total or top top five at their position? Because there's not. Either five way, total. I'll take the over. Yeah, I'm taking the over. They they have to make at least one big splash. Yeah, I think at least two. I think two. Ideally, I guess two. I don't. Um, 
But they've got, they have to make a splash in the free agent market. They've never done it before, and so I don't know why people are skeptical. Yeah. I don't see, I don't, they don't have the assets to just do it by trade right now. They have to make at least one splash on the free agent market. Anthony Rendon, pick up the white courtesy phone. Nick Howard asks, and this is kind of an odd question, but uh, I like Nick, so I'm going to, I don't know how to answer it, but I'm going to give the question here. Hash Brown Viewer Mail, what is your favorite late night talk show music performance? Do you have a favorite late night talk show music performance? Man, I. I do, and I'm trying to place it. Do you have one? Well, no. I mean, I was going to say some random uh, mid-90s uh, performance by the Red Hot Chili Peppers on Saturday Night Live from, say, February of 1992. Um, I've seen some good ones. But that's not really a talk show, I guess. Uh, I do have one, and I'll go ahead and give it here while you're, while you're thinking if there's someone that you want to say. My favorite late-night talk show music performance is every single performance – by Paul Schaefer and the world's most dangerous band on the David Letterman show. That that's a good one. There you go. That's that's For a namesake. Very, um, in the in the Saturday Night Live category, um, this is this is before I was born, but I've seen it and it's brilliant. The band performed on Saturday Night Live. Uh, what they performed? Do you know what what song they performed? Uh, they performed uh, Georgia on my mind. Oh, the band, and it was good. Love the band. And this was this actually was one. I just I remember one time. I, I can't remember what the context was, but Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits fame, who was it? Craig somebody was just a big fan of his, and finally got him to come on the show. And he just showed up with his acoustic guitar and just, like, played thing. It was just really good. You know, sometimes guys just show up and it's like, oh, wow, that was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's, uh, yeah, that's, tough. that's a tough question. But uh, yeah. the, the band, have you seen The Last Waltz? Oh, oh, yes, sir. That is a Thanksgiving time tradition in my household. Oh, outstanding. That's a great tradition. Uh, if you all have not seen The Last Waltz, it's a documentary about the band. Yeah. And it's directed by Martin Scorsese, who is one of our treasures in American cinema. Oh, you've got to see it. It's so good. Um, Jacob William, at Jacob William underscore 13, asks at twitter.com slash redlegredo, should Turner Ward return as hitting coach in 2020? I have real thoughts about this, uh, but what do, what do you think? Should Turner Ward return as hitting coach in 2020? I have thoughts about it, too, and I'd be, and, but what they're leading me to is I don't know, because I never know like how to judge coaches but boy for somebody who who came with the credentials that he did he sure did not perform this year do we know he didn't perform well no we don't but do we know then are we are we going to say that we don't know anything about uh the pitching coach that's a good that's a good point my thoughts are though there's a reason why turner ward was the most uh, one of the most respected hitting coaches in baseball and it would uh, demonstrate to me, it'd be a little silly for the Reds to just cut bait after yeah. one year. If they really, truly, I mean, they've kind of handed over some uh, real responsibilities to him. Yeah. And he's had success in the past. Yeah. I, I think absolutely 100% he should return. But now the Reds may know something that leads them to believe that he's just not right for this organization. Um, so the, the question, should he, that I say yes, you say eh, maybe. The answer that... It, Will he is absolutely, I think, 100%. I think he's back. 
Yeah. They're not going to cut bait, but I, I do think those questions need to be asked internally that you're talking about. The question is, I think that in general, coaches don't matter all that much except for when they do. All right. A guy like Derek Johnson can really improve a team. But, but I also think that in a couple of years, everybody's going to be doing what Derek Johnson is doing, and then it won't matter anymore. And, and when we talk about coaches, we're not talking about your high school coach that's teaching you to bunt. These yeah. guys, these guys kind of know how to play uh, when they get there. There's not a lot of that type of coaching going on. It's a lot of stuff, uh, philosophy and, and things on the margins, you know, to yeah. try to improve them a little bit more once they get to the big leagues. So I'm, I'm not down on Turner Ward. Although I, I can't say that his offense. <laughs> yeah, I'm not down on him. I'm just ambivalent. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we don't know. I think you're right. We don't know that he did a good job this year or a bad job. Um, but certainly don't, we don't have enough evidence that he did a good job to make it uh, 100% that he's he's the guy. Roger Fletcher, last one. Roger Fletcher. And this is kind of what we've talked about several times tonight, but I wanted to frame it in this, these terms. How confident are you that the Reds will sign a big-name free agent in the offseason? Hash Brown, viewer mail. You and I have said... I think we agree that they absolutely have to sign a big-name free agent in the offseason. But the question is, how confident are you that they will? 75% confident. I think that I am uh, – maybe I'm deluding myself. I think I'm going to go 85%. Yeah, you know what's what's interesting for me, though, is I'm 75% confident they'll sign one. I'm also 75% confident they'll sign two. Ooh. I, I don't think, like, I don't see the point in just doing one. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's an in for a penny, in for a pound kind of situation. Maybe. And you can't tell me, uh, we talk about what they make or whatever, but with all the money coming off the books, if they bump up the payroll, and the payroll, by the way, was 10th out of 15 National League teams this year. So we're not talking yeah. about, you know, if they bump it up more, then they've got money to spend on two big-time free agents. Mm-hmm. At least. Yeah, so Garrett Cole and Anthony Rendon, right? I mean, yeah, sure. I didn't know Cole was on the table for us. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a free agent, but yeah. Uh, how about that last last thing uh, to discuss here before we call this one quits? If you could pick two current free agents that are going to be available to be on the Reds next year, who are the two that you would choose? Where would you go? Because there are different names we've talked about, but who are the two you would pick? Who are the two primary Ooh. targets? What's that? Free agents. Free agents. I think we agree that Rendon's number one. Do we agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I, how old is Cole? I don't know, but he's good. Yeah. I'm, pitchers are so... Yeah, it's tough. Tough to drop that money on him. Yeah. I might... I don't know. It's either... It's a tie for me between kind of like Grandall and, and Cole. <laughs> Grandall feels like more of a sure bet improvement whereas Cole feels like a higher ceiling improvement. I think that uh, both improve the team. I think Grandall certainly in an area that's more of need for the Reds. I probably – I want Garrett Cole. But, you know, I think – no, if I am if I can just pick two, I think I may take Grandall and Rendon and take my chances. Yeah, because you still feel good about the rotation. It's, all, it's already going to be one of the best rotations in baseball. Should be. It should be. They should have, uh, you know – you know, again, I don't want it to be like the offense. We thought the offense would be fine, and it wasn't this year. But I think there's enough there at the top end of it with with Gray and Castillo to where they're going to be they're going to be fine. Yeah, Garrett Cole would help. He would improve this team absolutely. Yeah. But I think that the the improvements that you make to the offense by signing two guys like Rendon and Grandall that's probably where I go. 
I think, and I think I go Grandall over Didi Gregorius. Yeah, only because Gregorius had a bounce had to bounce back from an injury this year. Yes, so we're not entirely sure what he's going to be next year. Right. Although if he can come at a reasonable price, although I expect the Yankees are going to try hard to keep him. I, I don't. I don't understand where he. Everybody keeps saying that. Where on earth is Didi Gregorius going to play on the Yankees? Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. He's had some good. That team is stacked. There is nowhere for him. He's he's going to land somewhere else next year. The Reds used to have Yasmani Grandal and uh, Didi Gregorius. Didi Gregorius, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Final uh, final thoughts for us, Jason. Well, see you next year. <laughs> see you next year. Um, <laughs> well, not on the podcast because we're going to keep trying to do this every single week throughout the off season because there are going to be some things to talk about, and I do think this is going to be the most interesting off season, perhaps of my life. I really do think that. I think the Reds have to make uh, it's certainly the most interesting one since say 2000 when when Junior Griffey showed up. Hey, you hear us every week. Where to follow us? Whatever you can find us if you everywhere you want to find us. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends. The number of subscribers does keep growing every week. It's slowed a little bit lately with the with the way the Reds have been playing. So tell your friends. Let's try to bump that subscriber count up a little bit more. It's well, absolutely free. Here, here in a few weeks, everybody will start to get optimistic again. Anyway. Yeah, it's the way of the Reds. You have the, it's like a you know one of the, it's just the curve you know. High and low. It's like a roller coaster. So, all right, Jason, man, always good talking to you, buddy. Always a delight, Chattington. Chattington. For Jason Linden and Marty Brenneman, this is Chad Dotson saying, and this one belongs to the Reds. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.